Yo, what's up, people? I'm your host, Jay Will. This is Inspire Guys People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Welcome to ep episode. I can already, I can talk, baby. I can talk, people. Welcome to episode 192. Uh, today, I'm going to have a guest on the show, Aisha Taylor. Uh, she's going to tell us about her story. This young lady wrote a book. She's an author, an entrepreneur. She has some corporate experience. Um, but what she's all about is equipping single moms uh, to be whole. What is it? To be whole, financially free, and rooted in Christ. To live whole, financially free, and rooted in Christ. So today's show is a special one where we're going to explore the background, experiences, and mind of a single mother. We know that, you know, in the world today, not just in America uh, per se, America's, you know, really one of the worst as it relates to like broken homes and things. And so many times you hear people talking about the problems, right? And we'll talk about some of those. But anybody who listens to this show knows that I'm a solutions oriented person. So I like to explore the solutions and how people are surviving and overcoming. Because at the end of the day, we all have problems. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And, um, you know, I got a lot of love for single mothers out there because there are various circumstances that can put you uh, in that position. And whether it's your own fault, your surroundings, how you grew up, you will get Aisha's perspective on all that. But the big thing about it, people out there, is that with Jesus Christ, you can overcome anything. Thus, we named today's show after Aisha's book, Navigating the Impossible. Well, her book is actually navigating the impossible and then it's like a whole like we're gonna get into like the the subtitle there uh, a single mom survival guide uh but i hope that you enjoy the content today look this is a serious topic this is an important topic and the goal is that we you know put out information to strengthen um the single mothers out there today and also prevent young ladies from becoming more single mothers and you know, sometimes when we have problems and things going on in our lives, um, some of them can be justified. Some of them could be our fault. We are forgiven when we repent, repent um, to Christ Jesus. But at the end of the day, look, I made some mistakes that I wouldn't want my children to make. So we are all about trying to make sure the next generation gets the right information. And you don't always have to make the mistakes we made. But you do know and can know that if you find yourself in a position, there is a way out in Jesus Christ. So today's all about single moms. Y'all sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiration. Stop saying what you gonna do till you do what you say. When you opened that Bible, you knew what you read. You felt it deep in your soul. The promise did not expire. Be inspired. I can see beyond the tears you cry. And the pain you feel. I saw every hill you had to climb. Just to make it here. When you say you ain't afraid to die. Is it Guys, people, we are back, and I got my guest on today, Aisha Taylor. What's up, Aisha? How you feeling tonight? Hi, I am doing great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, being a willing guest on Inspire Guys People, the podcast. I'm excited to kick it with you, learn a little bit about your story. Uh, as I said in the intro, you know, um, your whole uh, business and things that you are about in ministry and faith is really about single moms. So we're going to explore all those topics and uh, talk about your book, Navigating the Impossible. I know that you have a huge focus on faith and finance. I'm really interested in knowing um, kind of what led you there. 
But before we do all that, Aisha, what we like to do on this show is kind of find out who you were before we find out who you are. So can you take us back to your childhood, whatever you want to share about your childhood? Um, you know, what are the things that made you who you are today and impacted you? Who was Aisha growing up in school, college, high school, whatever it may be? You know, that I appreciate that question so much. And that is such a loaded question, right? <laughs> because it was so funny. Like when I was growing up, people used to say that I was like a goody two shoes. And I kind of was, right? <laughs> you know, the teacher's pet got good grades. Like when I graduated from high school, I was like magna cum laude, National Honor Society, like did really well. But at the same time, I was somebody who was like seeking after other people's approval. And so it caused me to just, you know, ended up seeking my approval from guys that I dated because I had low self-esteem. I was very smart, did very well academically, but at the same time, really struggled with some low self-esteem and um, self-confidence issues. And so interestingly enough, like I kind of grew up in a church, but like not really. And so it was really weird because I ended up um, growing up partly in like a new age church. And so I thought something was odd about the church. Like when I was in service one day and the pastor said, Jesus Christ didn't die for your sins because you weren't born yet. And I was like, okay, I might be a teenager. I might not know as much Bible as you, but I'm pretty certain that the Bible says that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. It didn't matter yeah. if we were born yet or not. And so that was the type of like environment in a church that I grew up in, but I was very involved. Um, at the time, I was a classically trained flautist. So I used to play at church. I used to perform, travel, um, a matter of fact, around the world because of um, because of like playing the flute. But at the same time, like I said, I was like very good. I don't know if you've ever met people who are like very strong academically, but at the same time, chased after the wrong people and made some poor decisions at the same time. I got like, you. I feel it. Like that was me. Ended up going into college, did very well academically as well, but still kind of like balancing that personal and, you know, academic life. And I ended up walking away from Christ because I couldn't really reconcile the hypocrisy that I saw at church. Some of the things that I was seeing because because of my musical background, I performed at different churches. And so I had a chance to see like some very strange doctrine and see how people in the faith treated each other. And so by me being a teenager, I couldn't really reconcile this. I was in a teenager and in my early 20s when I used to perform. And so I just couldn't reconcile it in my brain. It was just like, how is it that I'm reading in my Bible about this loving God? At that time, I was also um, president of like the youth group at church. So I was really struggling in my faith because like, like how is it that the people I respect, how is it that what I'm supposed to see in the Bible, I'm not seeing displayed in the church. Ended up walking away from the faith for about seven years. Got to the point where I totally renounced God. Like, I don't know if I ultimately was would have considered myself an atheist or what, but I just walked away from the faith totally. And so I remember at times I was considering becoming a Buddhist because I'm like, okay, I do yoga, so maybe this is what's up for me, right? But I don't do yoga anymore, but um, I used to. And so I really explored um, converting to Buddhism. 
And it's interesting how the enemy will place people in your life to encourage you to make wrong decisions. And so I ended up working with this amazing woman, um, an internship, and she was somebody who had left the faith and she gave me this one book. I'm not going to tell the name of it, but um, for me to be able to explore converting into um, Buddhism. But by the grace of God, I never actually went that route. I just kind of stayed away from God. And I, I tell my kids this too. I'm like, you know, when I describe to them the prodigal son, I'm like, that was me. That's my journey where I was in faith, left faith, got into like this, you know, I ended up turning into like a club girl. And it was just so interesting because I would club and That's party funny. five days a week. But yeah, I had this amazing corporate finance career by this point. And so, like I said, I'm living this dual life. I have two master's degrees, two bachelor's degrees, a minor from the most prestigious schools in the whole world. But yet I was living this dual lifestyle between party girl and corporate person. And like I said, I always did well academically, but it just led me to start to make um and some bad decisions. And then I uh, was sleeping around, just like doing this a whole bunch of mess, right? Um, just in life. And the Lord just really got a hold of my heart, really just captivated my heart. And it was so funny. I remember being on an airplane one day. And you know, have you, have you ever been on a plane where it felt like the plane was going to fall out the sky? Yes. Yeah, literally I have actually. Yeah, so I was on a plane one day and it felt like it was about to fall out the sky. And I'm sitting here like, Jesus, just get us, just get us safely. Like crying out to God, like how the disciples were crying out uh, on the water, like Jesus. It's a wild you see feeling. how rough this water is. And I'm like, wait a second, I, I must have looked real crazy to onlookers. Because I'm like, I, I don't do that anymore. Like, what am I doing? What am I crying out to Jesus? And then I like, when we got on the ground safely, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Like, I don't do this anymore. But it was just the Lord started to just grab a hold of my heart. And then fast forward a couple of years, um, you know, still partying, still in the club. And I ended up making a YouTube about this, about how sometimes we as Christians can judge people on their walk, but we don't know how God is using them. Because I had people who were believers who were in the club with me. But the biggest difference was that, that they they went got up and went to church the next morning. And I was like, what is this guy's name? Sam Ballet, like in the Bible. And I'd be like, marking him, like, why are y'all about to go to church? Like, are you even gonna change your clothes? Because it's kind of late. And you about to go to church? Like, what? Mm. Really? Like, it's 4 a.m. You mean you're about to roll up and go to church? <laughs> and they kept inviting me to church. And I was just like, no, no, I'm not going. I don't do that anymore. And then one day, a friend of mine said, we have a bet going. I bet you, you're not going to step foot at church in anymore. And I said, don't tell me what I will and will not do. I will <laughs> see you at church, but not on Sunday. I don't do that. I'll go to Bible study. That's <laughs> funny <laughs> i went to bible study and the pastor was talking about the seeds the different type of soil and so i realized that i was that good seed that the weeds were choking out because of the cares of the world and at that point i said i didn't want to be that i wanted to be the good seed in a fertile in the fertile soil that bore fruit i didn't want my seed to be choked i didn't want the plant to be choked out and at that point, I just 
started going to church. I like rededicated my life to Christ maybe a year or so later and then just, you know, just came back to him. Aisha, first of all, um, that's an amazing um, kind of timeline. Like you took us through a couple things. So first, I, I need to go back to something very important. And if I heard you correctly, you said you were clubbing five days a week. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know the clubs was open like that, first of all. so And, and kudos to you because... I can't see, you know, like this is one of the amazing things about life and why I love change and why I love Jesus is because when God transforms somebody like you sitting here telling us the story and I've been following you for a while on social media and I'm telling you like legit, I would have never in my life guessed if some I would have wouldn't, you know, talk about bets. I would have bet a million dollars like, no, nah, that girl ain't. Not from she been consistently this way on social media, but it just speaks to the way that God can transform us. And when he changes our hearts, there's something that starts happening on the inside that flows over to the outside. And it even impacts how people can see us. And it's this weird thing where people who didn't know you, like they could see you and not believe that you were how you were. And people who knew you, can see you and not believe that you are how you are. Because for them, it's like, no, like I saw you in the club five days a week. Like, ain't no way. So first of all, um, just shout out you, shout out to you. Like, how long did you keep that up? How many, how, was, was it a year? Don't tell me it was more than a year. That's, oh, it was that's more like than stamina. A year. It was more than a year. That's crazy. And man, it had to have been, you know what? I'm sure I'm thinking it probably was a good two years. That I did that. And you know what? It's so funny because sometimes you think people don't know. Like it's almost like living a dual life. And you think that you're doing a good job hiding it. And I remember one time, like when I tell you, like, this is how I was, I legit, this is how I was. So I remember one day being at work. And keep in mind, I had a six-figure career in corporate America, in corporate finance. And so I remember one of my coworkers pulled me aside one day and said, I just want to let you know, you might want to stay away from people today because I can smell the alcohol coming from your pores. Man. And I was just like, oh, like this other lifestyle, like I'm not hiding it. Like this is actually following me yeah. to work. And, and you, you talk about like that, that double life, right? So you mentioned mm -hmm. you went to some of the most prestigious schools in the university. I mean, in the, in the uh, U.S. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Like, so... You know, you talked about the club side of it, but what schools did you go to? What degrees did you obtain? Um, and just I also want to kind of hear about, like, how did that shape that that phase of your life? Because it seems like both sides would be tugging at you. You're making six figures. You got these degrees. Was there another voice in your head from that side kind of pulling you back and reminding you like you smart, you this or that? Or were you so caught up in that other world that you couldn't even hear it? The funny thing is, is that that what my coworker told me, that was a wake up call for me. I didn't want to lose everything that I built. And so gotcha. I started to pull back from the club scene because I'm like, at this point, this is a house of cards yeah. and it's going to come down because there were times where I would have I would be hung over like I would just find a bathroom far, far, far away from my office, my floor, my department and just be throwing up just to be able to get everything out of my system. So I knew that I could not 
I couldn't just keep that up for a long time. And so this went on for probably about two years or so. And, but at school, so I went to Duke for undergrads. I did Duke undergrads. I got a bachelor's in economics and also a bachelor's in um, public policy. And I went to University of Michigan and got an MBA in finance and also a master's of health services administration. And I also have a minor in chemistry. So when I oh, tell wow. you like my academic credentials are legit, like they're legit. Oh yeah, you smart. <laughs> you, she's smart. Yeah, okay, that's what's up. So you went to Uni- U of M and Duke. Um, that's interesting. You went to two schools tied to the Fab Five and Grant Hill back in the day. Okay, anyway, I'm going back to basketball. Like those are some rivals on the uh, basketball court, but. No, so so at the end of the day, like you're you're educated, you have these degrees, you went to these prestigious schools, you know, maybe people wouldn't look and think that on the other end you clubbing five days a week. And you also mentioned But I was you know, partying I, there too. I was partying at school. Oh, party that school. Yeah, the yeah. one thing about them good schools like that is y'all <laughs> also probably have some quality parties. So um but but when you talk about that, like that experience too with church like i don't want to overlook that where you said you were in this new age church and you kind of left the faith and even entertained buddhism was hitting yoga and all these things and i think that's important because when people go through church hurt or however we want to categorize it like that is something that pushes people away from the faith like and for all the reasons that you gave you know, and, and I just, I want I want to pick your brain a little bit about, you know, this is more so to the believers out there now of like how dangerous it is when we play both sides of the fence like that. Because I think what happens, Aisha, and I'd be curious what you think is people who grew up in church also they want to fit in. So they start doing the other things. And from the church side, they use the excuse like, yo, I'm human just like you. I want to party out. You know, whatever, whatever. I still love God, but they don't understand the other side of how detrimental it can be for someone who's maybe not in their position. I think it's detrimental to them, too. But I want you to just if you could speak to that church person out there that's playing both sides of the fence and doesn't realize how much of a negative impact that could be having on souls. You know what? It's very detrimental. Like, honestly, you can't play both sides. Like, just as I mentioned with my career, I realized I couldn't play both sides. I was either going to have to choose this club party life or I was going to have to choose my career because at that point, they were it was catching up to me. You cannot, like, um, the Bible says you can't serve God in manner. Like, you really can't. You can't serve God in the world. Because you'll either love one and hate the other. And your actions just really reveal what it is that you believe and what it is that you serve. And the other thing is, is that when you're going out to the club scene, to the party scene, you have to realize the spiritual nature of this. If you're going out, if you're drinking, if you're acting ridiculous, if you're sleeping around, this is your soul that you're impacting. You're forming soul ties with people. You're... Um, just how you're coming across because think about it like how is somebody going to look at you and see you puking and acting crazy at the club but then you're going to talk about how you love jesus it doesn't make sense and so we have to realize i was just reading um i think it was isaiah 44 or 43 not that long ago 
And I forget what passage is actually in, in Isaiah 43 or 44. And what it says is what the Bible says um, is that how God, the it was talking about the redemption of Israel and how God was talking about how Israel was going to be redeemed. They're going to be led and they were going to be free from captivity and how he blessed Israel and the heart change that Israel would have as a result of God's favor and blessing and presence coming back to them was going to change their lives. And because it changed their lives, it was going to invite the pagan nations to want to worship the God that Israel served. And it was going to be because they saw the favor of God on Israel, but it wasn't just the favor of God. It was the behavioral difference of Israel. Because at that point, the whole reason why Israel went into captivity is because of idolatry. They were worshiping the pagan false gods. They were acting in some cases worse than the pagan nations. And we see that even in, um, I think it's in first Corinthians when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and this is new covenant though, right? Right. At that point. And so I don't want you to think that I'm um, confusing the two, but I'm talking about two different points in time because it keeps happening. So the Israel was no different than the pagan nations. Matter of fact, they were following the lead of the pagan nations. So the pagan nations had no reason to want to submit themselves to the God of Israel. But it was the heart them. change. Because they're doing that, right? And But it was the heart change of the people of Israel that was going to cause the pagan nations to want to follow the God of Israel. And we see that happening what happened in the new covenant when Paul and the disciples were able to bring the word to the Gentiles and they were able to convert the Gentiles to accept Christ. And so this is the same thing that happens to us, how we behave, how we treat people and what, how we show up shows whether or not we believe. And we have to remember, like, I don't miss that club life at all. I realized that me being at that point in stage, I was a point in time, I was a very broken human trying to find fulfillment in other things because I didn't even know how to address the brokenness that I felt, the hurt that I felt, the rejection that I felt at times. And I was looking for affirmation to be able to validate myself in the wrong places. That's what led me there. Amen. I'm grateful for that time because God showed me who he is and redeem me from that. And so now I can share my story as someone who was a prodigal and provide hope for people who are praying and standing in the gap and intercession for friends and family members who might go astray. And I can give them hope that there is a return, right? And so I'm grateful for that because God uses all things. No, that's very well said. Um, and I think, you know, what I really gather from that is like, this is serious. You said like, your soul is at stake. And I think sometimes we play around with stuff that ain't really something to play around with. And I'm, I've been guilty of that. Like when I think about some of my worst mistakes in life, it's like, I, I just wasn't taking it that serious. And we can kind of walk around with this laissez faire attitude or mentality with things, but it's like, no, nah, bro, at the end of the day, like everything we do is serious. And you talked about validation Something that's really big for me is like, I, I really, I don't like to put myself in situations where I'm allowing other people to validate me because I feel like then you're always a slave to what they want you to do or what they may expect you to be. And a lot of times that's why people don't change 
is because they're actually trying to live up to some version of themselves that other people in their past or maybe if even in their present expect them to be. And if as long as you are a slave to what someone expects you to be, you can never become who God created you to be Absolutely. because God created you to be greater and to be more um, than what you are um, when you are in those um, valleys, so to say. So, Aisha, I want to. I want to now kind of fast forward to, you know, you as a single mom. Now, you know, I kind of read in your bio, it said, um, you know, that you had just quit your job and became an entrepreneur before um, what you called it as life happened. So can you just walk us through that, like that experience for you of finding out that you're a single mom and especially like, um, you know, having a person having this career a successful six-figure career in corporate America working in finance to walk away from that job, I'm sure had to be a big decision to become an entrepreneur, but then on the back end of that to be finding out um, that you are about to be a mom. Can you just tell us about that experience and what that was like for you? Oh my gosh, I was angry at God. <laughs> you know how sometimes we get mad at God for our decisions? <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so Mad at God. <laughs> So real talk, I was mad at God because I was in corporate. I ended up dealing with uh, workplace bullying. So I dealt with workplace bullying for two and a half years. And by the grace of God, God had pulled me out of that club lifestyle um, a couple of years before, about a year or so before I started to deal with um, workplace bullying. And about six months before I started to deal with workplace bullying, I rededicated my life to Christ. And so when I started to deal with that, I was so grateful to be able to have that faith foundation now at that point because I had came back to the Lord. And I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have it. But in that time, I started to build my business as a phenomenal. And so I ended up writing my first book during that time. And so my business was starting to really take off. I was getting, I had been featured in Essence. Was I featured in Essence yet? Uh, I don't know if I had been featured in Essence yet, but I would know I had been featured in Jet and Black Enterprise. I think the first feature in Essence was when I was pregnant. Yeah, uh, I think I was pregnant. But anyway, uh, I've been <laughs> featured in a lot of places. So I was starting to get those calls, starting to really, uh, everything was taking off. And so I ended up leaving corporate because I could just feel the Lord saying it was time. It was time take that leap. I didn't want to leave. I ended up going part uh, half time because the money was good. <laughs> so right. you know how sometimes we can like half listen to God, but that's not really full obedience. It's that partial obedience. And then it just got miserable for me, uh, even worse um, when I was operating in that partial obedience. And I finally left corporate and went into full-time entrepreneurship. And so a couple of months after I left corporate, I ended up um, ended up getting pregnant and two months after that I was about four months pregnant when he was just like you have an ultimatum get an abortion or I'm out and wow. I was just like it was like and when I say it like it sounds so easy <laughs> like the whole process but it was not easy at all um I ended up um choosing my kids and I had them and then, um, you know, became a single mom at four months pregnant. 
And so I had to just figure it out. You know, it was it was difficult because when we talked before about affirmation and looking for affirmation from other people, this is one of the dangerous things as well. Because when you're looking for looking to validate yourself through your accolades, uh, what you do, what people are saying, the features that you have, like what do you have? Like when that's gone, right? Yeah. What do you have? when someone utterly rejects you, tells you that you're going to be a terrible mom, your kid, like all spoke all these stereotypes over my kids and all these single mom stereotypes over me and told me that I would fail as an entrepreneur and as a mom and that anybody attached to me would get hurt because all I do is hurt people. Like all because I refuse to have an abortion. All of a sudden that made me an evil person. But the thing is, when you don't know who you are, you believe the things that people tell you, even if it's a lie. Wow. So that became my identity. So when my kids were born, I just went into this place of proving. I wanted to prove that I wasn't going to fail. I wanted to prove that my that I wasn't going to be a statistic. I wanted to prove that um, I matter and that my kids mattered. And it, I ended up destroying my finances. I, you know, I have a foundation in finances. I also have a certificate in personal financial management. And I mentioned that I had a financial, I have a financial literacy business, and um, and a finance background. Destroy my finances. Destroy my credit, all because of emotional spending, hurt, pain, trying to prove. Um, comparing myself to married moms because I didn't want my kids to miss out. And I wanted to prove that I mattered and ended up falling into this three-year depression, shut down my whole business because I was afraid to run my business because I thought that I would hurt the people that I wanted to help. And I just couldn't do it anymore because it takes so much effort. Like one of my, and I say this in the book, one of my favorite lyrics from Mariah Carey is the song Circles. I think it's on her Emancipation of Mimi album or Butterflies, one of the two. But what she said is, I painted on a smile with lipstick, put it on a big charade. It's kind of hard to keep pretending. It's getting harder every day, right? Yeah. And so that was what I was doing. I was painted on a smile with lipstick, acting like everything was okay, showing up, continuing to serve, but I was empty. I was utterly empty at that point and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I just shut my whole business down and just spent um, a few years just healing, going to therapy and learning who I was outside of the opinions and approval of, of other people. You know, um, you know, you had said that that sounded easy and Jen was in the, um, in the comments, like that didn't sound easy at all. And I'm with Jen, like it definitely didn't sound easy. Shout out to everybody. Um, in the comments, uh, appreciate y'all. Um, and Trinice had just said, um, she wrote down, she commented exactly what I wrote down in my notes that, you know, when you don't know who you are, you believe what people tell you, even if it's a lie. I don't know if that's the first time you ever said that, but I'm just telling you, you should say it again. Like when you go speak somewhere, that's a fire line because it's so real. And, and so much of your story so far that you've shared it's so real because, you know, and I think a lot of people could relate. You you were in church, you leave the faith, you come back to Christ, you find out you're pregnant. And in this ultimatum, you know, being forced to choose 
between your kids and in and, and a relationship, I guess. And I, I don't think people talk about this enough because, you know, there's all this pressure around abortion and trying to convince people to get abortions and things like that. But nobody really talks about the why, you know, and I, I, know, I know people will throw out things like, well, what about these very rare situations of rape or incest or something? And it's like, OK, that's like saying why you shouldn't get on an airplane because a plane might go into somebody's house. I'm sure it's happened before, but it's very rare. And you don't typically make, you know, decisions primarily on rare situations. Um but do you think I'm just curious, we don't have to go too far down this path, but I'm just curious when based on what you went through with that ultimatum with abortion and then now you see where society's going, trying to push people towards abortions. Do you think they're missing something? And what do you think they're missing? I should really say when they try to force people, what are the things that we're not considering about the woman and how how this like, A, how important your kids are, and just the idea of, I don't know, like, you could take that wherever you want. Um, I know that's, like, an explosive topic. I'm like, I'm like, Lord, where do I start? Because I feel like, <laughs> explosive. what's that I'm like, was that Joe Lewis swings are about to start coming out? <laughs> Not at you, but at society. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the funny thing is, and I'm trying to figure out where to start. Let me start here. People don't, I'm going to start one person, one place, and then I'm going to go back to where I wanted to start. People don't understand the trauma and the PTSD that so many women deal with after an abortion. Society makes it seem like, oh, because I remember when I was young, people would say, oh, if you get pregnant and um, you don't want it, just get rid of it. It was just so simple, right? And I just remember that hearing that all the time, all the time, not from like my family or anything, but like from peers. And it was interesting that we're kind of indoctrinated in school to be pro, it's not to be pro abortion. I'm not even going to play like, I'm just going to call it what it is. Well, now they've rebranded to reproductive rights and lumped it in with so many other things to blind people. Um, through marketing tactics, but not Absolutely. To, I digress, not to not to take away from <laughs> and, and to piggyback on that, I remember seeing something on social where this one guy, like how do you say his name? Zuby or something like that. Zuby. He said, yeah. um, he said that people have to be brainwashed into becoming pro-abortion because if a child looks at a, um an ultrasound, they say that's a baby. So you have to be indoctrinated to believe that when you look at a sonog- um, an ultrasound and you see that baby in the womb, you have to be brainwashed to uh, see a clump of cells. Because even as young as like six weeks old, the, the baby has human features because it is human. And so we like in Hitler's, I'm gonna try not to go on a tangent, but Hitler was so successful and committing genocide because he dehumanized the Jewish people and people no longer saw Jews as human. So if you no longer see people as human, who's going to speak up when he's marching people to the gas chamber? And the same is true. 
And the same is true with this. So if we no longer see babies in the womb as human, who's going to stand up and fight for them and say, no, this is a person when they're trying to convince people to abort nine-month-old children just before they come out the womb? It makes no sense. And the other piece of it is, and I'm getting fired up because this is the whole reason why I ended up releasing Navigating the Impossible. Because the book had been written for about three years before I released it. And it sat on my computer. But when Roe v. Wade was overturned and I began to see what was what the media was saying about abortion, I got fired up. Because when I tell you what I saw in the media, the media justifying why women needed abortion, it was so they wouldn't be single moms and the children wouldn't have to be raised by single moms. And you know what type of flashbacks I had in my head? Hmm. What I was told when I was pregnant, all the limitations that were going to be on my life, all the limitations that were going to be on my children's life because I'm a single mom and because they were going to be born to a single mom. When I tell you, it was almost verbatim what I heard. I was just like, this book has to get out because these women are going to be convinced by lies that are, that are amplified, that there is no hope. And the only hope, the only, and because there's no hope, the only solution is to abort. And that's a lie. Because that's what I was told. But all I know is that the God I serve is the God of the impossible. And the God I serve made a way out of no way for my kids to be born and for me to have everything that I needed. And at that point, I knew that I needed to speak up to be able to give these moms hope so they don't make the biggest mistake of their lives by aborting their kids because they do not have hope. And I appreciate that question so much because I think we need to talk more about it because, and I noticed that when I try and speak up about it on social, like all these random people, and this is again getting back to, if you're a Christian and you have a platform, you have to turn out the noise, tune out the noise of random people. I would have people coming up in my comments. I'm like, have you ever commented on any other post? But then the <laughs> second the that I talk work. about Michigan's, um, a proposed abortion law, which is now law, a constitutional amendment, which is now law, legalizing abortion to nine months, all of a sudden you have a problem with me speaking? No one's speaking for these kids. Who's speaking for the kids that are getting aborted? And like, and the thing is, like, and if you look at the history of this, abortion Planned Parenthood was created to eradicate Black people. Literally. So if you're Black and you support this, like, read your history. I'm going I'm to tell you, and thank you for that on this. And you said it. This is an important topic. You know, th these are important things for believers to think through. And I really challenge a believer that even if today, even if you you sitting there and you listen to this and you're like, well, I'm, you know, pro-choice or I'm pro-abortion or reproductive rights, or however you want to call it. Cool. All right. That's your right to have an opinion. Where I challenge you is to put your emotion aside and listen, like, listen to the actual conversation being had, because I think what happens, Aisha, is society, the media, the government, they've done such a good job politicizing everything mm -hmm. that when people hear certain things, they can automatically tune it out because they've been trained. Oh, that's from the other side or that's, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's like, no, we are talking about the faith. We're talking from the standpoint as believers. And I believe as a Christian that you should be able to listen 
to something to be convinced of something or not. Like the Bible says to study, to show yourself approved. And the problem with us, I believe, is that we've stopped studying on these topics and we've replaced God's word with the word of the media or our favorite celebrity or our politicians that we can't always trust. And so we are being really bamboozled. And I'll use this example. You know, sometimes to me, things are deep, but things can be very simple, too. Right. And you said something you said people actually have to be brainwashed into becoming pro-abortion. And I believe that from this standpoint, you know, a lot of the things that's happening in the world today is people trying to convince you that an apple is not an apple. Right. There are things that you've gone your entire life. So let's just go with the baby situation. You know, when when you go to the doctor and you get the first ultrasound or the pregnancy test, you they say you're pregnant. You're having a baby. OK, cool. So is this a baby or is not? Because you told me I'm pregnant. Right. Then if you go to all the checkups between, you know, whatever month one, to month nine, whatever, you got all these checkups at every checkup. Oh, that's the baby. That's their nose. And I don't even have kids, but I have enough. I got about 17 nieces and nephews and I'm the oldest of nine. So I know enough about kids to know that even kids in the womb have personalities. So when you you look at some babies, they twisting and turning, some kicking. Oh, he was an e easy pregnancy, pregnancy. She was this. And when that baby is born, guess what? My man who was kicking and turning all in your womb he, at two years old, he coloring on the walls and flipping the house upside down. That was literally him in there. So it's one thing for someone to tell me that they are pro this and that. And I can respect differences of opinions. But it's another thing to tell me that that ain't a baby. So it's like, look, if, if you, you know, I'm, 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 I am pro-life regardless of what your opinion is out there. But what I'm saying is that have your opinion, but don't tell me that that ain't just let your opinion be that you want to take life away from a child. Don't let your opinion be based on trying to convince me that that ain't a baby. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. Um, you talked in the beginning. Oh, can about, I talk more about the baby thing? Because, no, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still there. So okay. you, you go ahead, though. Go with your part. I was going to say when a woman has a miscarriage, does anybody, everybody feels bad for her? Because she lost Every, the baby. Because she lost the baby. That's heavy. Like, like, and, and, and so all we saying is like, don't tell me that ain't like, like you said, when, and, and listen, when a woman has a miscarriage, it is super emotional. Women around me have had them and my family, it is emotional when there's a stillborn child that is emotional. We call it a baby. We literally one of my brothers was born, stillborn. We had a funeral. I went to the funeral. It was obviously closed casket. He has a name. He has an obituary. Don't tell me that ain't a baby. And so that's all we saying is like, don't let the world convince you that what got. All right. I got to say this and then we going to move on. Uh, let, me, let me say this. Um, Trini said we replaced the word. That's that's it. We've gotten away from the word, not just this topic, but many agree. Um, Jen, thank you, Jen. And Jen says there's so much contradicting. I want to say this. 
I think this should be said. Aisha, you started off and said that the parable in the Bible that led you back to Christ was the parable about the seed sower yeah. and what type of seeds there were. When you look at the importance of that parable, the importance is about the seed because the seed is what it will be if it gets sown into the proper ground. Absolutely. And it don't say that that seed ain't that. It says it wasn't in the right ground. What am I saying? It's not that it ain't a baby. It's that you didn't let it produce where God was going to produce it. Ooh, you took the seed away. That was a seed that had a purpose. And when you take a seed away, then you can kill the seed. You could kill the purpose in that seed. But that don't mean it ain't a seed. And so I just think it's amazing how for you that the the story in the Bible that brought you back to Christ was about a seed. And then you had to choose the seed in your womb. Wow. Over validation. Wow. So I never thought just, about it like that. That's it's just amazing. It's amazing, right? How God works as you were talking. It was just hitting me like, and, and for me, Aisha, it's like I think we complicate things. And I and I also think we want we when going back to that validation, we want the world to validate us so bad. It's like, oh man, I don't, and I see this for Christian. I see so much fear in Christians. I can't talk about this. They're not going to like me with my podcast. They're not going to listen, man. I, I'm sorry. I can't make decisions based on that type of stuff being accepted by people. I want y'all to listen to the show. Great. But I can't sell my soul for this show, for social media followers, for a job. Like I cannot do it. Um. All right, Aisha. Thank you for engaging that, that, that portion of the topic. I know that was, um, it's important. Um, it's important. It is. Um, let me say this. So you talk about your book, um, Navigating the Impossible, a survival guide for single moms from pregnancy through the first year of motherhood. What I want to ask you, coming off of the conversation we just had, we hear so much negativity about being a single mother. There may be some truth to a lot of those things. But can you talk about the blessings that came from being a single mother, from choosing your children? And did you have twins? Yeah. Okay, look at whoo, don't so you get me started. Like I go from <laughs> I got different sides of my personality. I get borderline churchy in here right now because you're talking about like it was I can't even you but God gave you double for my trouble. <laughs> Do y'all see how easily this could go? Like, are you serious? All right, I just need you to talk about um the blessings that came from being a single mother and making that decision. Uh like when I tell you, it's so funny. Um, let me start here. I remember before I got pregnant, uh, I was at kind of like a like a planning session, planning for the new year. And uh, back in uh, 2014, I was planning for the new year 2015. And I remember like around that time praying to prayer Jabez because at that time, my business was starting to increase. And I wanted to just be able to reach more people from a finance, like to just help them transform their finances. Because one of the things I didn't share was um, 
when I was 12, I got teased for wearing non-name brand clothes. And it let me, once I was able to start making money, I began to spend it, racked up a whole credit, a whole bunch of credit card debt because I was chasing validation and I was trying to get people's approval by how I dressed, right? So I was just praying for God to just allow me to share that message, right? About how your net worth is, your worth is not dependent on your net worth, right? Your yeah, your worth is not dependent on your net worth. And so like you were, you are who you are, right? And you don't have to try and go into debt to impress other people. So I just wanted to make that message be known far and wide, right? And so when I ended up um, getting pregnant, right when my business was starting to take off, I thought like, I was just like, God, did you hear the prayer? Because I don't think you did, because I was talking about my business and I don't know how this is about to impact my life. Like he already told me he gonna leave. So like, what is this gonna happen? Because does this mean I have to give up on my dreams and everything? But I realized some years later, and I remember my stenographer told me this, like when I was crying in the um, ultrasound room, like, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And she told me, and she said, just think about how this can enhance your message. I was like, you're, you know, you know how you hear something, you're like, that gives you hope, but you're still like stuck. You ain't trying to hear it. You ain't trying to hear it, really. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, I hear you, but I really don't. But, um, but it was something that gave me a little bit of hope. But years later, I realized that I was asking for God to enlarge my territory. I never would have expected that it would have come in a form of twins. But that territory in terms of that financial literacy, that economic empowerment message, I'm able to take this to marg a marginalized group because let's tell it what it is. Single mothers can be marginalized. They can be marginalized in society, marginalized in church, marginalized in the workforce. But now I get to give this message of hope and redemption to them because in the church, they can be like, I remember my kids, um, my, uh, one of the churches that I went to almost didn't dedicate my kids because I'm a single mom. They said, we don't understand your, we don't know if you take your faith walk seriously. So I'm the one who chose not to abort, but now I'm getting accused of not having a real relationship with Christ. And they were going to take it out on my kids and say, you're not allowed to dedicate your kids to the Lord. And so because I went through all this stuff, I was just like, let me show these single moms that they're loved by Christ. Let me tell these single moms that there's redemption. Let me tell these single moms that they don't have to be broke. Let me tell these single moms that their kids are not mistakes because we typically, we typically hear that. Like, no, your child, it has a purpose and plan attached to it because God is the one who is a giver of life and God is a taker of life. And if God put that child in your womb, even if the situation is not ideal, it's because he has a purpose for you and a purpose for that child. And for me, the biggest blessing of being a single mom, other than being a mom to my kids, I realized that I've been able to see God in a deeper way. I've changed in ways that I never even thought that I needed to change. I remember one day somebody asked me, a barista asked me one day, he said, what's the hardest part of being a mom? And at first I was about to say sleeping less, but then I was just like, no, nah, that's not it. I said, being the person who I can be proud of when my kids say, I look up to you or I want to be like you. I said, yeah. that's the biggest part for me is living out 
what I want my kids to become, not because I want them to be just like me, but I want them to be able to look at me and say, she loves the Lord and she is doing everything she can to walk in the ways of Christ. That's what I want my kids to do. I want my kids to honor God, love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and body in all those ways, acknowledge him, right? That's what I want for my kids. But I'm like, I have to do that. And by as I have chased God, because I want to be an example for my kids, I have been able to see God show up and be faithful in so many ways that I never would have seen had I not been a single mom. I've been able to see hope on uh, moms' faces who have chosen life for their kids, but now they're faced and now they're abandoned. I'm able to say, you know what? There's hope. This isn't the end of the story. And this isn't the end of the story for your child. You don't have to be a statistic and neither does your child. The devil is a liar. And because of I've walked this place, this path, I'm able to give hope and encouragement to other people while also seeing that if you allow yourself to be defined by your circumstances, you're never going to be able to move forward. To be honest, I, I do all this work for single moms, but I don't even consider myself a single mom. I don't. Because I know that God is a God to the father. Like he's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. And I remember somebody at church said, single moms are the new widows. So I know that my kids have a dad. It's God, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and I have great family support. So I don't feel like a single mom. My identity isn't in single motherhood. But I remember somebody told me, she was just like, but if you want to reach these people, that's what they see themselves as. And you have the ability to take them. And like it's coming to me. She didn't say it this way, but this is the way it's coming to me right now in terms of like a word picture. I have the ability to lead these moms from the wilderness of shame, abandonment, rejection, hurt, betrayal. Churches turning their backs on them. People turning their backs on them. The world trying to lace them with stereotypes to put burdens over them. I have a chance to help them to lead. I have a chance to help lead them out of the wilderness to the promised land that God has promised them. But it's just a matter of believing that it's possible. I love it. Um, and I love that you really draw from your faith in it, because I think what we need to realize is that life in these type of things, life isn't always perfect. But that's where Christ comes in. The Bible says, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Absolutely. And what some of us do is we get weak and we give up on God, not realizing that the strength of God is not truly seen until you are weak. Because when you make it from your weakness and through your weakness, you know it wasn't in and of yourself. And that's why by faith and um, through experience, a lot of us have so much confidence and, and trust in God because we have been at the bottom and we know what it feels like to doubt. Like you said, you had a three year bout with depression. We know what it's like to struggle, to lose our identity. And we know that it wasn't us that brought us out of it. So I love that you said that. Uh, shout out to Trinice in the um in the comments and she said hey the enemy tried to stop guys double man like that right there was so crazy to me um the fact that god bless you with twins through all of this um jen says i always hated that i do that i had to be defined by the term single i feel that i had that scripture on my fridge for years amen like amen and i think like to your point we have to be careful how we allow ourselves to be identified 
in this world today, like they want to identify you so many different ways and marginalize you. Um, but but I think you have to be careful of that because also single isn't permanent. <laughs> That's the other thing. So it's like be careful categorizing and falling into allowing yourself to mentally fall into the category. It's OK. I know we talk in categories. That's cool. But to mentally and emotionally allow yourself to view yourself a certain way, it's temporary. That's like if you broke like that ain't that ain't forever. You can make some changes and, and God can open some doors. So before I get you out of here, Aisha, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, The last thing I wanted to ask you about was the role finances play in your blog and everything you do. Um, and we'll, I'll allow you to kind of shout those out and uh, not allow you, but, you know, let's um, have you uh, shout those out before you go. My bad. I don't even know why the word allow came out. Like, I'll allow you on my platform. <laughs> I promise I'm not on that. I don't know why I said it. Um, but I do want you to talk about um, how people can reach you and things before you go. But just can you briefly talk um, about finances? Obviously, you have the education in finances, but what role does it play in the work that you do today? in helping single moms and why is finances an important aspect of that? Finances is huge because, and I think that you can't really strip faith from finances. Um, I think because we have, God made us stewards over our finances, just as moms, like we're stewards over our children. God chose us for that. And I believe that the resources are God. So number one, how we steward our finances shows how we trust God, right? That's number one. But at the second point is, Finances matter. Like you don't worship your finances, but finances allow you to pay your bills. Let me say it like this. Let me tell you a story because I love stories because I, help, I think that they help illustrate a point. So I, I know somebody who was raised by a single mom. His single mom, his his mom made six figures a year. and But she worked all the time. And so he used to say that he never wanted for anything. But whenever he would look up at his sports games, whenever he look, look at his assemblies that he went, he would always scan the, um, he would always scan the crowd hoping to see his mom, and he never did. And he told, and I remember he told me that he would have traded that stuff to have his mom be with him. And I've heard this story over and over and over and over again from people who were raised by single moms, even single moms where they, where they weren't broke. Because how you manage your money ends up impacting your time. Because I think his mom worked multiple jobs. I know other women, I know other people who are raised by single moms and their moms work multiple jobs to be able to give them the things that they thought that their kids wanted. And so just imagine if you manage your money in a way where you got control of your spending and you realize you didn't need that second job after all because you began to manage your money differently. What if you began to look at your skill set and realize that you can take a different job, maybe with less hours and make more money? What if you can get rid of overtime just because you manage your money better? What if you are always so stressed out because you manage your money better? Because guess what? Financial stress increases inflammation, which leads to heart attack, heart disease, and stroke and brain aneurysms. So financial stress can impact your health. Financial stress also impacts parenting. Financial stress has actually been linked to harsh parenting. More like uh, people who are feeling financial stress are more likely to spank their kids, yell at their kids, and even abuse their kids. 
financial stress. Wow. So just imagine if managing your money allowed you to reclaim your time, have less stress, have more health, and create more memories with your children. That's why I love finances so much. That's so well said. You know, so I think a lot of times Christians struggle to talk about money. We talk about money a lot on this show because this is a faith and business show. And it's very challenging to talk about business without talking about finances. But for me, it's similar to what you said. Like money gets a bad rap. So many things in society today, like they get a bad rap because of the marketing, behind how they're marketed. I'll give you an example. Since you like stories too, this ain't really a story. Just I call myself <laughs> example man on this show. Um, I had never been to Vegas. First time I went to Las Vegas, I think was 2006. I went to 2006 back in 2011 again. And I remember in 2006, um, one of my, um, my homeboy, um, you know, really best friend, um, you know, we were in high school, man, especially high school, college, me and my boy, Kel, you couldn't, um, you know, separate us from each other. And then he moved to the Philippines, a whole different country. So like we literally been far from each other, but that's still my brother. I, um, he he was here at his, uh, in 2022. But the point is, I went sidebar. <laughs> I remember his mom sent us on a trip to Vegas um, when he graduated college. And to give a little context, this happened during a time where I was really getting serious about God my last year of college. So it was kind of like, you know, like, I'm like, yo, I've never been to Vegas, but I only heard about Vegas, bro. And I ain't really like, from what I heard, I ain't really trying to go there. And then I kind of told him like, oh, you know, you are, he knew what I do, what I don't do. Man, we went to Vegas, had the best time in the world, wasn't wilding out, wasn't. And then I realized like, oh, it's good food. It's mm -hmm. an art show over here, whatever. It was exciting. So what's my point? Vegas isn't Sin City. Vegas is what you make it when you go there. And from talking about being a single mom to anything else that we want to address, a lot of times we allow society to define what something is because we don't want to experience it and curate the, the customized experience for ourselves. But what I love about what you said, whether it's money or whatever else, when it comes to money, you don't have to love money. You don't have to have the relationship with money that the world tells you to have with money. You don't have to let money separate you from God. But when you truly understand money as a tool and a resource and how it works, you also won't become a slave to it, where it is making you spend all your money on Christmas for your kids to have whatever game that they gonna throw around and they don't even have a, a college account. I'm constantly telling people, I will give you $50 for your kids college tuition before I ever give you a $50 gift because that doesn't make financial sense to me for kids just to have a million gifts. But when you truly understand finances, you could put it in its proper place. So absolutely. That was um, good. I love Trinice. Uh, thank you for all your comments. She said, um, single isn't permanent. Amen. Single relationally, single financially, single socially, the energy surrounding single. It isn't permanent. Oh God. That's a word. Amen. A to the man. Jen also said that was confirmation um, when, you, when you talk, when you told the story about time. So Aisha, I want to um, be respectful again of your time and let you get out of here before you go. Can you just tell people how to find you, how to get in touch with you um, and, you know, like where to find your book? 
Yes, yes, yes. So you can find my book over at Amazon, or if you want a signed copy, head over to navigatingtheimpossiblebook.com, navigatingtheimpossiblebook.com if you want a signed copy. But if you want to pick it up on Amazon, it is on Amazon too. You can also connect with me on YouTube, and I see it right there, Aisha J. Taylor on YouTube, and also on Instagram at F and phenomenal as well as on my blog fnphenomenal.com and if you want to hit me up via email uh you can email me at hello at fnphenomenal.com i would love to hear from you Oh, I can't hear you. Is the mic on mute? Thank you so much. That okay. was like for five for ten seconds, whoever watching that, I'm gonna get to look crazy. I should I think I'm gonna cut that out and repost it of me just looking stupid. I gotta start <laughs> doing bloopers because I be having bloopers on this show. Um, but thank you so much for your time. I'll be looking forward to whatever you have going on next and even to watch God as you continue to grow and evolve and see how God um uses you as you go. Um, when he, you know, when he blesses you to be married and so on and so forth as your, as your children grow, um, just much love to you. Love your spirit and everything you stand for. And thank you so much uh, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. You have a good night. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Yo, guys, people, y'all know what's up, man. Hey, Jen, like, I don't know why y'all let me embarrass myself before she got up out of here let me take a sip of my what i'm drinking today sweet tea take a sip of my tea and then we about to close this show out i got some things to say about um aisha what we talked about also <laughs> i got a couple of things to say she mentioned something that i posted today actually on facebook and that was just ironic she didn't directly mention it but something she talked about referred to it and then i got a um a new segment um, that I want to introduce before I get out of here. It's called I Be Wondering. Uh, so let me take a sip of my sweet tea and then we're going to jump into it. All right. Jen says she was about to tell me. Of course you were. You thought it was your phone. It was your phone. You probably you don't even have an iPhone, do you? Um, <laughs> all right. Before we get out of here, a couple of things I want to say. Thank you again to Aisha Taylor. Uh, Y'all check out her book. Um, I love, man, it's just always a blessing to do these interviews. Uh, people have stories, man, and I get so inspired listening to people's stories. It is just, I don't know, for me, it's like, it's literally life uh, to hear people's stories and their ups and downs and their successes. Like, people smart, man. Like, she got like five degrees from Duke and U of M. So it's like, like you saying, like, you you literally never know just from looking at people. And hopefully one of the things you take away from this podcast is this show is really about being united by faith. And during a time in the world where everyone is so divisive based on your race or your politics or the world looks for reasons for you to hate each other, Jesus Christ is our opportunity to find how we are united and how we are the same. That's why you see interviews and hear interviews on this show from men, from women, from white, from black. I'm looking for a Chinese, an Indian. If you love God, if you are a believer, if you're doing great things in the kingdom of God, we should be able to come together. And with Jesus Christ as our common ground, 
our differences are minimized in my opinion. So I don't even understand people who are like so politicized, especially like racially, man, they got us so charged up race racially. The world literally have has us tricked. And for me, it's kind of like I just sit back and observe things and I'm like, all right, you know, it might be some truth to that. Maybe a little truth to that. Yeah, it's some racism out here. Yeah, these people hate these people. But man, come on now. Nah. You ain't never let a hater stop you from going to the club. Why do we let things stop us from doing everything positive in our lives? I don't want to meet that person because I had one bad experience with a person like them or they from that side of town or they look like that. Guess what, man? When you talk to these people, and you sit down and listen to their stories. That's why I'm always willing to listen. I'm always willing to talk. Because I, when I see a person, I never think I have them figured out. Whenever I see people, I always be like, I'm like, ooh, what don't I know? There's more to be discovered, more to be explored. That's why I engage people in the comments on social media. When I ask a question, I like to know what people think. Because I know that there's more to you than meets the eye. Even if you're cute. Even if you kind of struggling with your looks you know we don't all look good you know what i'm saying we ain't all cute i might be struggling on a certain day even when i'm struggling there's more to me there is more to you man more to you never let a hater aisha we know that you ain't never let a hater stop you from going to the club because you was going five days a week don't know how you did it kept you in shape that's why you was all like you was like i'm about to go buddhist i'm doing yoga because it was that club diet. But listen, a couple things before we get out of here. I want to say this first and foremost to single mothers. You are valuable. Your children matter. I want to commend you for those of you who are single mothers because you had to make a choice between a relationship and a child. That relationship ultimatum giving you that abortion as an ultimatum. I want to commend the single mothers that were afraid and did it scared, that cried in the ultrasound room like Aisha, that didn't know where their next meal might come from, the single mothers that had to be on government assistance. You had to go to the WIC office. You had to get the, the life cereal and the milk and the cheese and whatever else come with it to the mothers out there that needed to get the Christmas package from the charity, from toys for tots, for, from the Goodfellas boxes. I want to commend you for doing the tough thing. I want to commend you for not taking the easy way out. And you should be better appreciated. I think sometimes we try to glorify the idea of being a single mother in a way that causes more people to be single mothers. But that's because we ain't giving you credit for really what you should be getting credit for. You really should be giving credit for making that decision. Because you know you was nervous. You know you didn't know what to do. And you knew that that man was trying to manipulate you and you loved him and he gave you an ultimatum. He wanted you to get rid of your kids to make his life more comfortable because he said he couldn't do it because he said he already got kids because he said he ain't know where the money was coming from. I commend you single mothers for not letting a weak man cause you to kill your children. Letting a weak man cause you to give up on God. I commend you for that. I commend the single fathers who've had to step up. There are various reasons that a father has to get step has to step up and take care of the kids too. And so many times, bro, you get overlooked and you feel like you operating in a world that you don't quite understand. You had to do it scared too. I commend you. 
I commend the people who made a mistake in the past, who maybe made the wrong choice with that ultimatum, but decided to repent and give your life to God, to give your life to Christ. You deserve the credit too. I know it was a hard decision. You might be dealing with some things. You might be really stuck in your past haunts you. And even when we talk about topics like this, you take it as judgment, but I promise you it's not. So when we talk about challenging topics to explore them, to help each other so that iron can sharpen iron so that the next person will make the right choice. But if you're a single mother out there and you had to make that decision or you not a single mother because you did make that decision and you repented and gave your life to Christ, I commend you too. To the people out there who made that decision, who gave up their children, who sacrificed their lives because you didn't know any better. Now's a good time in your life if you haven't already to give your life to Christ because the hurt and the pain and the depression and the things that you're dealing with that they won't put on a commercial. It ain't going to go viral. They don't want to talk about it. Nobody's going to share that message. They're going to shut it down. The algorithm going to stop it. So you're being quiet. But you, you also can repent and give your life to Jesus. If you made that decision, you don't have to live in that pain for the rest of your life. You might regret it for the rest of your life. But God has a way of blessing you even when you don't deserve it. None of us truly do. None of us truly deserve the grace that God grants us. You think you feel bad because you think the decision you made is worse than everyone else. What I often say to single mothers is like, you had a hard situation because everybody could see your sin growing in your belly. Then they call it a sin, but it's not really a sin. Just because something is a result of the sin doesn't mean it is a sin. Your child ain't a mistake. So people mistreat you because they can see what they perceive as your sin growing in your belly. You can't hide it. So in order to hide it, many, many of these women make the decision, many of you make the decision to abort it. And what you're really aborting is the embarrassment or the disgrace or the opinion of others. But here's the thing. A lot of us, we are in our sin and we don't got to carry it around. It don't grow for everyone to see it. So I don't judge you. I don't hold it against you. I'm not God. I'm not here to condemn you. But I hope you are convicted by the message to give your life to Christ and to turn away. And more importantly, if you know a woman that's pregnant right now, going back and forth about that decision, hopefully you know the right words to say to her, to encourage her. You know, they say misery loves company. And I think that causes a lot of people who have made those shameful mistakes, cause them to go out and promote those mistakes so that other people can do it so that they can be comfortable with their decision. But the fact of the matter is they're not really comfortable. That's why they're so angry. They're not happy. That's why they're pushing death. These are the messages that a lot of Christians are afraid to talk about because we live in a world where people will take everything away from you. They will block you and shadow ban you and maybe you lose your job or whatever because you simply spoke life. Imagine a world where telling somebody to have a baby is a bad thing. Considered, you know, intrusion of rights. But if you tell me to go on a diet, you can make a commercial for that. <laughs> You know, if you tell me to whiten my teeth, there's commercials for that. How about hair growth? There's commercials for that. 
We live in a society where people are able to promote any and everything except life. That should, that should concern you. That should be disturbing when you live in a society where simply to tell somebody that that's life. You know, specifically late-term abortion concerns me because you mean to tell me if you're nine months pregnant and you have an abortion, oh, that's not a baby, but if two days later that baby is born, we celebrate you because that's a beautiful life. I often too think about minorities as a black person. And this is one of the things that really got me, got my attention about this topic back in 2013, 2014, when I had first thought, saw a statistic in New York, I think 2013 or 2014 was the first time in New York where more black babies were aborted than born. Imagine that. Imagine we are only minorities not to exclude my other brothers and sisters, white, Chinese, Indian, all y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love y'all too. But my people in particular, we complain a lot about being marginalized and being minorities and not having a voice and needing, you know, other people to champion us. But what if we killed all our voices? What if we eliminated them because we simply were uncomfortable or couldn't afford it or were in a challenging situation? I know everybody won't agree with me either, but I'm of the belief that you don't have to. Why is it so offensive to hear an opposing view? If it's rational, if it's spoken in love, if it's spoken in truth, if it's sincerely a soul that's just concerned about the state of our society and the people therein and the messages being pushed to our children. See, that year that Black people more were aborted than born in New York. Imagine how over time you can eliminate even just the idea of being a minority if you just birth the ones that are there. Killing our next presidents, our next LeBron James and Michael Jordans, our next doctors, our next lawyers. What's that about? That don't concern you when the original purpose of Planned Parenthood and abortion was literally, not figuratively, to eliminate the black race. And then we sit back and we champion that, but we hate white people and hate America because it was birthed in slavery. Not to say all white people were birthed in slavery, don't take that wrong. What I'm simply saying is there are things that are going on in our world today that should concern you and should cause you to turn back to Christ. It should cause you to want to encourage your brother or your sister next to you. Whenever I find myself super emotional about a topic to the point where I can't even hear an opposing view, I know that there's something wrong with me and not necessarily the person I disagree with. Because am I so irrational and out of control that I can't listen to an opposing view? Listen. I'm not judging you. I'm not telling you you're going to hell. This is about life. And I commend single mothers and single fathers because you are taking on the task of nurturing life, our future. And it's not an easy job. And that's why many don't want it. But you, you went forward with it. And I think you need to be commended for that. God's people, 
I hope and pray that today's shows bless you. Before I get out of here, I like to just end on a light note. There's no good way to make this transition. This is a very random thing that I was thinking about this morning when I woke up. And you are going to maybe think I'm a little crazy. Thank you so much, Aisha. I appreciate that. Appreciate you as a guest today. You also said something very important before I get there. You know, you talked about how money management saves time. Aisha, I don't even know if you know, I asked a question today randomly on social media. And I asked people, what is the perfect life balance? Like, what is the perfect life balance between a person that works too hard and loses time with their family and a person that's lazy and the family might be like, yo, pops, get out, go get a job, do something. And what it really came down to is the perfect life balance is balance. We live in a world where we got to balance a lot of things, but money, money management. And that's why we talk a lot about business and, and finances on this show. When you properly manage your money, you save time. You also put yourself in a position where you don't always need money so you can make decisions that are not based on money. A lot of the compromises that people make in the world today, if you ask them why they did it, is for money. A lot of people are, who are in prison or a lot of people who are out there doing crimes right now are likely doing it for money. So if you better manage your money, you can save your time, literally, because you won't have to go do time. You can save your relationships. You can save your family. You can save yourself by allowing yourself to be saved by Jesus Christ. And what do I mean by that? There are a lot of people that can't even fully live for Christ because they are in constant compromise for money. Now, I know money is important. You feel me, Aisha? Like, I know money is important, and that's why I talk about it. So, before we get out of here, I woke up from a dream, okay? Don't judge me. And let me look at my... I wrote it down... Uh, Okay. I woke up from a dream and I had this random thought. I was like, I just be, this This segment is called I Be Wondering. So I think at the end of the show, and yes, I'm bilingual. I speak English and Ebonics. I didn't realize Ebonics was a real language until I realized how quickly I go in and out of it. And it's a true talent and skill set. So if you speak Ebonics, please tell people from now on that you're bilingual. Because everybody can't speak Ebonics either. That's the whole thing about it. That's what make it so dope. Everybody can't speak it. Some people are like, huh, what? You're salty. What's going on? Anyway, I woke up out of a dream and I asked myself, fam, uh, Jen, you say you're, uh, Jen, you're learning Ebonics? Look, you're going to be fluent by the time you get done listening to this show. So this segment is called I Be Wondering. I think I'm a, uh, who knows if, the, if this is going to be a real thing or not in the future, but I may start um, sharing just stuff that I be wondering before we get out of here. Because I be wondering a lot of stuff. I be wondering, like, are the people in my dreams, like the extras? Because I had some extras in my dream yesterday. You know, it's like in a movie, like you got the main characters and then the extras in the background. And I ask myself, because I be seeing extras that I don't recognize. So I just be wondering, like, are these real people or did I make them up? 
Like, are these actually real people walking the earth somewhere? Or did I just literally create a human being in my mind? I be wondering. Then I also was like, yo, if I'm going to be making cameos in your dream, I feel like I need a check. Like, 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 listen, fam, like if, if I'm if I'm making cameos in your dream, I need to check. I'm not about all this acting for free. Extras get paid. So if anybody, if I ever made a cameo in your dream for whatever reason, hopefully something very good and positive by the grace of God. If I didn't made a cameo in your dream, I need a royalty check, bro. You can't expect me just to be popping up, acting and 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 you know what I'm saying, like doing all that and you and you ain't paying nothing. All right, let's see what Aisha said. I didn't know Salty was a part of Ebonics. I used to say that. All. Listen, Aisha, you learn something new every day listening to this show. You got the best of both worlds today. You were a guest and you actually got to learn something. That's a blessing. What happened to what in the world? All right, Jen, let me, let me say this before I go. The segments are coming back, but I need to do video intros. When I went to video, I got all these audio, like song intros for my segments, but... um. I have no videos for it. So I, I thought about that. We're going to still do what in the world. Maybe this should have been a what in the world segment. Maybe you popped up to tell them. You know what? I like that, Aisha. Maybe I popped up to tell you to listen to my podcast. Listen, with that saying, with that, I can talk, people. With that said, not saying, I appreciate y'all listening today. Thank you again, Aisha Taylor, for being our guest on episode 192 of Inspire Guys People to Podcast, Navigating the Impossible. Please do. Please do. Um, check us out on Instagram. Uh, check us out. That's at Inspire Guys People. Also on YouTube, at Inspire Guys People. And um, tell us what you think of the show. Please share the show um, as we're trying to continue to grow the video. I'm going to be real with y'all. It's, it's not easy. Like, And it's crazy because, all right, so for the video folks who may see this and Maybe you don't listen to the audio show. People like Jen, who've always listened to the audio show, they kind of listened to me make this decision to go to video at some point last year in the middle of the year towards the end. And it's challenging. It's way easier just to do audio, even though audio was challenging being consistent. Doing video is another level. And, you know, I'm just going, I'm just showing up every day. That's my approach now. You got to deal with all these different, you know how many places I'm uploading and posting. And the reason I talk about this is because if you're out there and you want to start a passion project or a business or anything like when you get into any entrepreneurial, um, you know, I can't even think of the next word situation, entrepreneurial project. I don't know, whatever. I don't know. Here we go. I can talk. When you are an entrepreneur of any sort, then you got to realize that it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. Everybody tries to glamorize everything and romanticize it and make it seem like it's just easy to do. But what I literally believe, I believe that one of the number one keys to success is simply consistency. Because if you show up every day, eventually somebody that's been ignoring you, they might be like, all right, let me see what he's talking about. Like, what is this about? What's she talking about? Of eventually somebody who hated you like they, you just showing up every day, they're going to be like, okay, look, you know what? He made a good point right there. She made a good point. So consistency also builds character because in order to be consistent, you have to be willing to endure the good and the bad. Because guess what? 
when I post a video on YouTube, sometimes it get 900 views, sometimes it get 200 views, and sometimes it get two views. And that's just how it worked in the beginning when you growing a platform from scratch, right? And so I'm just a few months into having a YouTube channel that I'm actually consistently uploading and trying to grow. And so I understand that this isn't easy. This isn't just about, hey, follow me. I got a million followers. Look how dope I am. It's like, no, there's a grind to it. And I like to talk about it so that the individuals listening to this show know that when you sign up to start something, it is a process. We have literally said that from episode one of this show. And the only thing I try to do is be true to what I'm talking about. And even when it gets tough for me, then I'm like, yo, this is the process, bro. You in the process. So whatever is on the other side of the work that I'm putting in and the seeds that I'm planting, it's going to grow. And I don't want y'all to think whenever I get to the other side of whatever God does with this platform, I don't then want to come out and just be like everybody else who everybody's a guru and an expert. Once they, you know, already successful, it's like, yeah, bro, but you weren't talking like that when you had 56 followers. You start talking about that when your video went viral or you got this one opportunity. And I think the problem with that mentality is that you are so far away from everyone at that point that people can't really not that they can't relate to you or you don't have value once you're already super successful. But it's like it don't feel real. It feel like that's just you. But anybody who listened to this show, we've been going for over four years. If you go back to episode one uh, and listen, I always tell people we have, I have so many people who have listened to every episode. And that's a blessing to me when you listen to every single episode. I literally have people who have done that. And the thing you get to see is where I was at. Like I've I've made business deals. I've taken promotions. I've made tough decisions about my career. I've started new project things. I've release music. It's like so much happens during the process, but don't give up. Allow God, just like that baby, allow that baby to be born because God is working something out in that child, in that womb. You don't know what God is going to do. Some of us make our reality the only reality. And the thing that, look, it may be true. Right now you're in a tough spot. Right now you live in the hood or right now you don't have the money. And right now you're surrounded by people who are not like-minded. Don't let that be your permanent mindset. Like we said with single mom, single mom is temporary, bro. That ain't something that got to be forever. And the thing with us is we keep taking temporary titles and making them permanent. So it's like, I'm broke. I'm struggling. I'm this. I'm not successful. Like, oh, that's temporary, fam. Don't allow something temporary to be etched in stone, bro. You could change that. Like you could change that. So so don't allow something that could be changed to stop you. Yeah, it might be tough on day one when you find out you're pregnant. I'm sure if you're a single parent, it's tough, bruh. But if you endure, you're going to have a lot of fun with them kids. They're going to get on your nerves. They're going to do good in school. You're going to love their smile. They're going to just look just like you. You're going to like dressing them up for Christmas and taking them places. It's a lot of blessings you rob yourself of when you don't allow yourself to go through the process. And it's in the process where we are refined, when God is sharpening us, he's building our character, building our integrity, giving us experience and opportunity to grow. And some of us never grow because we stay in the same spot and we never allow ourselves to try something new to go through a process because we are afraid of the unknown. 
Well, I call it the hope of the unknown. The hope of the unknown is the faith in the fact that God is in control. And even when I don't know something, I have hope that the one in control is going to lead me to a place, a destination where he desires me to be that is good for me. That makes me better. That is what God is all about. Jen says she never missed an episode and she doesn't. Jen, I appreciate you uh, being a faithful listener um, and appreciate just the, the beautiful thing about this show. Y'all don't understand is I get to meet the guests and talk to them and keep relationships going sometimes. But also with a lot of the listeners who are faithful listeners, we have conversations and topics come up and we, we end up having podcast topics that become real life topics. Something I talked about in the podcast becomes something that became a part of your real life and people reach out and that's a family, man. Inspire guys. People as a family. Uh, Aisha says it took me almost 10 months to be obedient to the Lord and stop your, start your YouTube channel. Took me longer than that. I ain't gonna lie. It's so many days now. I feel like I don't feel like doing it. I force myself, but each time I show up, I feel better. That is what it is all about. That's what it's all about. I feel that Jen said, what if single isn't temporary? That's okay too. God will be done for sure. Like whatever God's will be, that's an excellent point. Like, you know, Paul wasn't married. So I'm not here to, I definitely don't disagree with that. I think that's a great point. Aisha says, December was when you finally took it, took your channel um, seriously. Amen to that. I think it was like July for me last year. And let's see, Jen says, I don't want kids. I had my son. And being a mom was my favorite. Oh, you didn't want kids. And being and you had your son and being a mom was your favorite job ever. I think that's an amazing comment to end today's show on. Listen, y'all be blessed, man. Again, check us out on Instagram, on YouTube, at Inspire Guys People, really everywhere. Inspire Guys People. Just Google it and you'll find us. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate the love, the support. And we got more interviews coming up, baby. We coming right back next week with a couple of dope interviews. I'm excited to talk to people. We got international stuff happening. We bringing people from other countries on here. Um, and we're going to keep trying to build up the kingdom of God through talking about faith and business, learning these stories and connecting the dots with the goal of finding yourself in the story. Every time a guest comes on this show, I look for myself in the story. There's always something that God can do for you. Today's show was about single moms, but there were so many principles that were biblical that I found myself in the story. I hope you find yourself too. God bless you. I love you. And y'all have an amazing, amazing, amazing.